Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Know Your Enemy podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I'm joined with, by always, one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how, do you, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, Michael. Excellent. And a familiar face for a special guest, uh, coming back for a second year now, uh, of course, uh, from the Mile High Report, uh, Mr. Joe Rouse. Uh, Rouse, am I getting that right? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. I uh, kind of hope this time around it ends a little bit better for the Broncos. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and Steelers fans right now are probably hoping that things trend in a better direction uh, for them as well. So uh, <laughs> I, th- I think both sides are, are probably hoping for a little bit uh, better results here in this game coming up on Sunday. Um, but getting getting into the matchup itself, uh, how have the Broncos looked uh, through this first somewhat quarter of the season? Of course, that 17th game doesn't really make it a, a pure quarter, but how do they look through four games? Oh, uh, through the first three games, they looked really good um granted they beat up on a bunch of cream puffs um the giants the jaguars and the jets uh the giants probably looked like the best team of the three uh both the jaguars and the jets were yeah obviously just complete dumpster fires um and that was in the middle of i mean i I guess the ongoing urban meyer will here won't he resign saga so it's it was it was pretty easy to beat up on them um but then obviously they ran to baltimore last week uh I would say not great overall, top to bottom. Um, I thought Fangio's game plan made sense, even though I probably disagreed with what he did. Uh, but then Teddy Bridgewater got hurt at the end of the first half, uh, and the Broncos ended up trotting out Drew Locke in the second half, and it kind of looked exactly how you would expect Drew Locke to look against Wink Martindale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think how, – how different do you think that game goes if – you have Teddy Rod- Bridgewater the whole time. Do you? Because you, that that second quarter was was rough. Yeah. Uh, I think they still lose. Uh, just because I thought Shermer's game plan wasn't great. Um, the Broncos went into that game with a lot of injuries at receiver. They've lost Jerry Judy for now. Uh, they'll probably get him back in a couple weeks. Uh, but uh, KJ Hamler's out for the year. Um, and what it happened is the Broncos ended up going into that game with Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and then. Deontay Spencer, who's a return specialist, uh, David Moore, who they signed last Tuesday, and Kendall Hinton, who had his first career catch against the Jets. And Shermer still dialed up like 80%, 11 personnel. Uh, and the Ravens, as you would expect, didn't respect it at all. They, they, they played a lot of man coverage, and they got after the quarterback. So I thought that was an issue. Um, and then obviously it got worse after Bridgewater came out. Um, once Locke was in, to me, it would have made a lot of sense to kind of give the ball to the running backs and try and protect Locke because you knew he wasn't going to be able to beat the beat the rush. Um, they didn't do that. They they dropped back. I think Javante Williams had four carries in the second half, which was kind of weird. Not only that, they ran left a lot, um, even though all the numbers, all the metrics, everything I've seen has shown that the Ravens are actually weakest running off the right tackle. Um, the Broncos rarely attacked that. And I know the Ravens got some healthy guys back. But it just questionable game plan on offense, I thought. Um, I thought Bridgewater probably would have lost the game, but it would have probably been a little bit closer. Albert Okwagbanam had a dropped, what would have been a touchdown in the first half. Um, that would have probably helped as well, obviously. The special teams, the special teams, we'll probably get to that, but the special teams has been a problem for years now. Um, I have no idea why Tom McMahon is still the coordinator, to be honest. 
Yeah, no, uh, definitely want to touch on that. But first, we were talking about the quarterbacks a little bit here. Uh, for Steeler fans, uh, what uh, what could we expect if Teddy Bridgewater's on the field versus uh, if uh, Drew Locke is out on, on uh, the pitch? Uh, so the big things with Teddy Bridgewater, if you don't watch him, you know, week in, week out, probably about average NFL arm. Um, not not special that way. He's pretty accurate. He's very, very good at dumping down. Uh, probably one of the best shallow throwers in the league, crossers, stuff like that. Uh, the big change for Broncos fans, and this is kind of why he's the starter, is he does a very, very good job working through his progressions. Um, and through the first four weeks of the season, he was showing the ability to really do a good job of mitigating the rush. Uh, keeps his eyes up, looks downfield, looks and tries to find the open receiver instead of panicking and kind of bailing on the progressions to, to escape the pressure. Um, and that was really helping the Broncos because they were running a lot of play action, which was kind of inviting a pass rush. But Bridgewater was hanging tough and still finding someone to get the ball to. Uh, the opposite of that is where Drew Locke is. And again, you guys are probably familiar with this from last year. He looked exactly how you, he did last year. Uh, doesn't take a lot of sacks because he panics once he starts to feel the pressure. He'll bail out to the right um, and kind of just try and dump the ball somewhere. Uh, he's pretty slow to work off his first read. Doesn't really work through his progressions as quickly as you would hope. Doesn't really throw with anticipation as much as you hope. But the physical tools are Elway-esque is how Broncos fans like to compare it. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, with, the, with the passing game, one, one guy that stands out to me is a guy who beat the Steelers up pretty badly last year, Noah Fant. Yeah. Uh, what's he been doing this year? And is he has he shown that he's turning this into something more than just a few good games a season? I think he could. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I was so I, I have been so critical of Shermer is because I thought the opportunity was there for Fant to really blow up against the Ravens. He had the touchdown, um, but on, but through the first four weeks of the season, he's had spurts. Um, he's too big for most DBs, and he's too quick for most linebackers. And that the Broncos have him and Albert O. They both can do that. But Noah Fant's a more refined route runner. Um, probably not as good a blocker, but better with the ball in hands. Really, really good after the catch. Okay, now. I'm kind of someone who uh, thinks of some questions that are outside of the box. Uh, Jeffrey might laugh at that, but uh, uh, the thought kind of c coming into this weekend and kind of a, a weird one uh, throughout the, the off season was, especially at the draft, it seemed like uh, Aaron Rodgers was dead set on becoming a Denver Bronco. That seemed to be the, the huge story coming out. Now all of a sudden they're, the Steelers play the Packers and, and they're smiling and nodding at each other uh, on the bench. What's going on here? Are, are, is Denver planning on uh, bringing in another quarterback? Is Teddy the guy for, for now? Or what, what's the deal with the, the quarterback situation? So the reports have kind of been hovering around that the Broncos are going to try and make a play for Aaron Rodgers after the season. Uh, but the thing is, the Broncos don't have a lot of draft ammo. Uh, they didn't trade down from nine. They took Patrick Sertan. So they don't really have the pieces to go get him unless he kind of forces his way to Denver. And as you kind of touched on, I think Aaron Rodgers is realizing that he's going to have his pick of where he wants to go if he doesn't want to stay in Green Bay next year. I want to I want to I want to cycle back real quick. I want to mention this for for Steelers fans listening to our show. Uh, Noah Fant so far in the season has 27 targets, mm -hmm. which despite the fact that the the Broncos have thrown like only 70 percent as many passes as the Steelers is more than our entire tight end room combined. Pat Fryermuth, Eric Ebron, and Zach Gentry combined have like 23 targets. So uh, 
So, so Steeler fans, enjoy that. Enjoy that. Um, if One, we see Drew Locke yeah. this year, do you think we're seeing a different Drew Locke than we no. than we saw last season, or is he still the same guy? He's still the same guy. You're you're gonna hear probably leading up to the game how he had a, the first full off season of his career, first time he's had patch, you know, same offensive coordinator since his junior into his his sophomore into his junior year in college. So like a lot will be made out of that kind of stuff. But I studied him in the preseason. I watched the Ravens game twice over now. I watched last year's tape way too much. He is the same player. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes out, you know, looks like Peyton Manning. Uh, but I'm for Broncos fans listening. I'm sorry. It's, it's probably not going to happen. Now flipping over to the Steelers quarterback, of course, sold uh, Benjamin Todd Rothsburg has not looked very good uh, through a, through a couple weeks. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the, uh, the low lights. So that's probably a good way to put it with him uh, kind of falling all over the field as if he was an Oak tree, but uh, he hasn't, he hasn't played very good. And he's been, uh, he struggled a lot under pressure. Uh, Von Miller, the AFC uh, Offensive Player of the Month, of course. Uh, really, uh, this Broncos front has played uh, very well so far. Uh, this Well, this entire defense, really. Uh, should we, as Steeler fans, be scared of uh, the health of our quarterback uh, going in this game? Or what can we expect from the pass rush of the Broncos? I think they're going to light him up. Um, the The fact that the Steelers offensive line is kind of in the state it's at, I and I know it's kind of in flux right now because some people are kind of getting healthy and stuff, but Von Miller looks like Von Miller from 2019. Uh, He kind of picked up right where he left off and he wasn't in last year's matchup. The one thing that might be kind of like reason for hope is Bradley Chubb is not going to be playing. Obviously he's on injured reserve without him in the lineup. The Broncos are using Malik Reed. Malik Reed is, he's a good complimentary rusher, but he kind of gets his wins off stunts off games, off other stuff. Like he, he wins off everyone else paying attention to Vaughn and the other players. So if they devote enough attention to Vaughn Miller, that might help. Um, but one of the unsung parts of the Broncos pass rush, because they don't have the box score stats yet, is Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris. And I think that they're going to test the interior offensive line of the Steelers quite a bit. Draymond Jones, if you guys go back over the Broncos games, his burst is every bit as good as Vaughn's. Like He's beating Vaughn Miller off the snap quite a bit. Wait, beating him off the snap because that's yeah. not easy to do when it's Vaughn Miller. That is that is impressive. Yeah, that is he, that is legitimately impressive. And he's a he's a, I mean he's a typical three technique. So he's about two hundred ninety pounds, six foot three. Um, but he's very good with his hands. Um, not the strongest. So like if you double down on him, like running game, that'll show up some. But as a pass rusher, yeah, he's he's good. Wow. And also, of course, the Steelers, our right tackle situation is, is great right now because we got we don't even know who's playing. We don't know who's healthy. We don't know what's going on with that. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, beyond Von Miller, if you if you are shifting help to Von Miller's side, yeah. uh, where, where are the where are the Broncos most deadly on defense behind him? Uh, so Alexander Johnson is probably I would consider him an elite run stopper. Um, and then he's also very, very good at blitzing. And last year when Von Miller was out, Brad, uh, Vec Fangio was using him as a blitzer quite a bit. I want to see he rushed 130 times. I don't have the number right in front of me, but he was a key part of the Broncos pass rush. And in the Ravens game, they were using him a little bit as a blitzer and a little bit as a decoy where they would kind of 
bring him up on the line. He'd mug the line. He'd mug the a gap. Sometimes he was off the left tackle and then he would drop. But what they're doing is they're trying to dictate the protection. So it was isolating Malik Reed or Shelby Harris, because those are the two that are usually next to him. Um, so they'll do that. Some they'll rush Justin Sernod a little bit. He's the linebacker who's taken over for Josie Jewell. Um, but it's not really his game. He's better in coverage. Uh, but I would think that, yeah, they'll try and use a lot of tackle end stunts, and then they'll use Alexander Johnson as a threat to kind of create one-on-one -on -one situations for the tackles. Now, the Steelers' passing game has kind of been uh, refined to about three, four routes, really. And that's really all that Ben Roethlisberger is willing to throw. Uh, he's throwing goes uh, between the number and the sideline. Uh, just got your basic checkdowns to running backs, uh, receivers running screens, and pretty much crossers uh, within five yards. Can the Steelers find any success in these routes, or is this uh, stuff that the defensive backs and linebackers are able to stuff out? So outside of the Jets game, uh, there has been some success going deep against Kyle Fuller, probably about once a game. Um, so that might be a thing. And you guys do have a lot of speed on the boundary. The you know obviously the big key is Roethlisberger has to hit it. But I would think that Deontay Johnson or Claypool uh, against Fuller might be favorable. Um, beyond that, though, the other big question is Patrick Sertan, the Broncos' other starting boundary corner for the last couple weeks. He is currently day-to-day -day with a midsection injury. Uh, as of right now, the Broncos just activated Ronald Darby off of injured reserve. The question right now is this, if he's going to play or not. So we don't really know. So our right corner situation is kind of like your right tackle situation. Um, the Broncos may very well start Bryce Callahan and bring out Nate Hairston as the, the slot, at which point you guys could probably go after him. Um, it might be Darby and Sertan. We don't know yet. Uh, but I would say that the underneath stuff, the Broncos have been very, very good at battling up and tackling it. So you guys might get completions, but it probably won't go very far. Yeah, I'll point out, last season, Claypool and Deontay Johnson both had good games against yeah. the Denver Broncos. So if if Ben Roethlisberger can get his stuff together, this this could be a good game for us in that in that respect. Uh, looking at Patrick Sertain, if he is able to go, what what does he look like as a rookie? Phenomenal. Uh, the Raven the Ravens tried to go after him get a good bit. They did get some completions on him. He did have to make some tackles. But overall, like, I haven't seen a rookie corner look as good as he has. Um, I'm really impressed. Okay. Um, now, flipping over to another rookie, uh, Javante Williams is someone uh, I know the Steelers kind of had their eyes on when it came to drafting a running back, of course. They take Najee Harris in the first round. He's looked pretty good so far, despite not having uh, many uh, running holes himself. But he's put up some decent numbers uh, so far. Uh, what has Javante Williams done uh, so far in his, uh, his NFL career? He's been good. Uh, he was my RB one coming out uh, for the Broncos fit just because the Broncos run a lot of gap scheme. And when you go back and look at his North Carolina tape, he was really, really good on power and he was really, really good on counter plays. And I've been surprised that the Broncos haven't used that as much as I thought they would with him. Uh, he does have some issue with his vision where, and it shows up most on outside zone. I think um, a little bit on inside zone, but in terms of the decisions of when to cut back and when to kind of work the defenders, uh, there are times where he won't make the right cut or he will get kind of like tunnel vision. Uh, but in terms of like his actual, his contact balance, it's elite. He's a very good uh, pass blocker, much better than you would expect for a rookie running back. Uh, he's a capable receiver. I don't think he's quite the same route runner as Najee Harris is, 
Uh, but in terms of what Pat Shermer asks from his running backs, he's kind of everything you want and more. Um, the, there was a play last week where he carried Marlon Humphrey for 20 yards and it was one of the most ridiculous runs I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, with, with the wide receiver injuries, is there any, is there anyone that you're looking at and saying this, this player, you know, this depth player could, could be something and, and could be someone to watch out for? So the, the big one is David Moore and he's the guy who signed last week on Tuesday. Uh, it's kind of unfair for how much he was asked to play just because like, obviously he's learning the system. He's coming from the Raiders. Uh, obviously there's going to be some carryover because John Gruden and Pat Shermer both run a West coast offense, but the verbiage is different, that kind of thing. So I think as the season's going on, his role is going to grow because the Broncos don't have anybody else unless they believe in Kendall Hinton. Um, but more when he was back with him, he was with the Seahawks. He was a decent vertical threat and he is capable of, running the route tree. So I would think knowing that you guys are having some injury issues in the secondary, that might end up working in the Broncos favor. Now flipping things over to the Broncos offensive line. How have they kind of looked this year? How's coach Munch uh, continue to develop that group? And uh, what would the the plan in your mind be to, to slow down TJ Watt? Who Hobie's gets sick, eat some bad seafood before the game. <laughs> uh, I, I am very worried about TJ Watt. I'm also very worried about Cameron Hayward. Uh, the Broncos, this is a big question kind of going into the game is the Broncos guard situation. Uh, during the Raven, like the week leading up to the Ravens game, uh, Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner both got hurt in the Jets game. And then it turned out that neither one of them were able to play against the Ravens, uh, which meant that Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater made his first start in the NFL after playing 25 snaps. Uh, looked better than I dared hope for, but I mean, he's he didn't play football last year because of COVID. Um, and then Natani Mute made his third start and Calais Campbell kind of ate him up. Uh, Natani Mute has 30, I want to say he has 32 and one eighth inch arms. Um, so that's kind of a concern against Hayward as well. Uh, both of them are powerful. I think they, they might be able to help the Broncos running game in terms of like compared to what Dalton Reisner and Glasgow were showing, um, especially since Glasgow kind of got banged up and he's been trying to play through like a heart issue. Um, but the interior offensive line has kind of been shaky anyway. Lloyd Cushenberry, you guys are probably familiar with this from last year, was probably the worst center in football last year, and he's improved, but he's still not good. Well, uh, when everyone is healthy, he's the weak link. So now all of a sudden, if he has two very inexperienced players next to him, it wouldn't surprise me if you guys move Hayward into like the nose and just have him attack and or loop TJ Watt in as a as a penetrator and take take advantage of that. Um, so those are big concerns for me. Um, in terms of the tackle situation, Garrett Bowles is kind of not looking as good as he did last year. I think part of it is the holding penalty. The, the way the league de-emphasized holding last year helped to hide Garrett Bowles' hands with issues. Um, and again, this isn't to say he's bad, uh, but his hands didn't improve as much as people wanted to believe they did. And last year he was able to get away with that some. It hasn't happened this year. Uh, he had problems in the Baltimore game. The Jaguars game, he gave up a couple pressures. And then early on, the Giants, uh, Lorenzo Carter had some had some success against him. So I'm actually really curious to see what you guys do with TJ Watt. If you move him around to try and attack Bulls and Massey, or if he's just going against Massey. Uh, Bobby Massey, the Broncos' right tackle, is actually the best right tackle we've had probably since Peyton Manning was playing, um, which is more to say that's how bad the right tackle situation has been forever. Uh, Bobby Massey's probably about a league average veteran. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with him. I'm not, you know, trying to dog him, 
but he's tall, doesn't really necessarily play as long as he is. Um, so against Watt, that's going to be a concern because Watt's probably going to be able to get up underneath him and then overpower him. Um, so that is a big concern for me. Broncos will probably try and keep an extra tight end to chip, or they'll use one of the backs to try and pick it up. But you don't want a back blocking TJ Watt either. Now, you, you were talking about moving TJ Watt around and attacking the middle with him. That is something he does, but there's actually uh, the player we do that more with is someone that you are going to be uh, familiar with from his time with the Chargers is Melvin Ingram. Yep. Uh, what, what can you tell me? I, one of the things I'm always interested in is how players do in, in when they've seen teams frequently and in these kind of rivalry games. Uh, what was Mar Melvin Ingram for, for Broncos fans? I mean, a lot of Broncos fans kind of overlook him because last year he was so quiet. Um, which is, I, again, I think it's a mistake because the fact that you guys stand him up and rush him over the guards, if Dalton Reisner plays, that's going to be a mismatch. Uh, Dalton Reisner, and again, I love him. He's probably my favorite guard in football, but the reason he's a guard and not a tackle after playing tackle his whole college career is the fact that he's not as quick footed. Melvin Ingram is going to be able to expose that with his quickness. And on top of that, Melvin Ingram has a very good bull rush. So if he's against Natani Mute, he's probably going to be able to get into his body and push him back. Same with Cushionberry. I think Miners might have a chance, um, but I'm definitely worried about that as well. How do you kind of anticipate this Broncos offense to attack the Steelers defense? Uh, what kind of bubbles do you see and what spots the, do you kind of predict uh, guys to potentially uh, go off and have a big game for themselves? I think the Broncos, if they're smart, they're going to try and run in the middle quite a bit. Um, because you guys have so many issues right now with your nose tackle, what I would do, and I don't know if Shermer will, I've, I said this last week as well, um, they should go probably heavy personnel. Um, the Broncos early in the season, the first three games, were running a lot of 13. They were running a lot of 12. They have probably one of the better tight end rooms in the league um, in terms of depth. And they have Andrew Beck, who can play both tight end or fullback. So what they probably could do, especially to hide the fact that they're missing receivers, is to go really big and then just run a lot of inside zone if Melvin Gordon's healthy, or to try and mix in some like duo, some gap stuff if Javante Williams is the feature player because Melvin Gordon's status is also a question right now. But but what I would do is I would try and run over you guys because um, that kind of hides the receiver issues. And if Teddy Bridgewater's playing, he's coming off a concussion. If Julock's playing, you don't want him being exposed to the rush. So... I would put the ball in the back's hands and try and make the game slow down. As, as actually something I have consistently waited for teams to do is realize the Steelers are down significant defensive line talent and just, you know, load up in heavy personnel and make us use three defensive linemen. And, and uh, Green Bay was the first team to do it very much at all. So mm -hmm. that was, that will be interesting if you guys, if you guys pull that on us. Um, with, I just completely lost my question. Michael, can you take this? <laughs> All right, so we can we can flip over my question for before yeah. to, to get, let uh, Jeffrey uh, have a minute here. Uh, the Steelers' offense attacking the the Broncos' defense. Where where the holes that the Steelers could find some success attacking uh, vice versa against this Broncos front. So beyond the corner situation right now, just because like that is you know obviously a big question. Uh, Justin Simmons has had some issues the last couple weeks. Um, Mark Andrews is going to get his, um, so that's part of it. But the other thing is uh, deep over, stuff like that. The way the Broncos' defense is designed, if the pass rush doesn't get home, there are holes when you run a deep over or like a crossing route that kind of takes some time to get all the way across the field because the Broncos will run a lot of cover six, 
or they'll run some quarters and they'll run some three. So what ends up happening is no one picks that crosser up because they're all occupied. So all of a sudden that guy is sitting in a vacant zone on the other side of the field and the quarterback can find him. Um, Andrews got him. I want to say the Jets did it once. And the Broncos had a problem with it in the first game of the season. Uh, yeah, first game of the season. Patrick Sertan gave up a touchdown on it. Um, and that kind of will show up, especially if Von Miller is not on the field. Um, that has kind of been the big issue with Bradley Chubb being injured is that Von Miller and Malik Reed are still one of the better edge duos in the league. But behind them is Jonathan Cooper and Andre Mintz, if he's healthy, or Patrick, who is uh, an undrafted free agent who has signed off the Jaguars. So the Broncos' backups at edge are a seventh-round rookie and, undra- and two undrafted rookies. Wow. Um, with with your linebackers, how are you uh, at covering running backs? It's not really a secret that Najee Harris is like pretty much our entire offense right now. When you guys are splitting out, and I've seen you guys are doing that quite a bit, I do think that is going to be something where he's going to probably be able to get open some. Just because neither Sernod or Alexander Johnson are necessarily really good in like one-on-one coverage. What they're good at is they're good at kind of like sticking in their zones, reading the quarterback, kind of like being a fit in the scheme and not being a hole. So against like dump off stuff like that, they're quite good. Um, but when they're split out, Sernod's better than Johnson, but neither one of them are great at it. Okay, now looking at this this Broncos team as a whole here, um, I know a lot of people kind of said in the offseason that they're one really good quarterback away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Is Teddy Bridgewater enough? Is this team uh, able to take the step, or or do they still need to kind of uh, get something else out of that position? So through the first three weeks of the season, I would have told you that definitely yes, um, if everything else kind of went their way. Uh, The Baltimore game obviously exposed some cracks. It's hard to say this early in the year for sure how much of that was on Bridgewater and how much of that was on like everything else kind of rearing its head because the Broncos did go into that game late notice, didn't have either guard, lost all the receivers, stuff like that. Um, I think Bridgewater is good enough with the help around him, especially if Judy gets back and Chubb gets back. To be like a dark horse contender, I think depending on the matchup, they could win a playoff game or two, but they could also if they keep getting banged up like they are, they could be another 500 ish team. Um, Bridgewater through his career has kind of been as good as his supporting cast. And right now the Broncos supporting cast is kind of shaky. So we haven't gotten into it yet, but we, but I want to make sure we hit it before we get to the half hour mark. Uh, the special teams for the Broncos. And, and first I want to say, how, how can it possibly be bad when you have, you know, Deontay Spencer, who's St- Steeler fans were, not happy losing last year. Deontay Spencer last year was probably one of the few real bright spots. Um, Brandon Manis, our kicker, is also decent. Um, he had a career year last year, made quite a few long kicks. Uh, but the coverage units are abysmal, um, and they've been abysmal since Tom McMahon was hired in 2018. Like, it's it's a reoccurring issue every single year. Um, the Broncos punters, they've cycled through three punters, and they're none of them are good. Um I don't want to hate on Sam Martin because he's been the best of the three, but he's maybe a little better than average. But when the coverage units are as bad as they are, it's just they're begging for somebody to get another long touchdown on them. So far this year, through three, you know, the four games that they've played, they've allowed a 102 yard return touchdown. They had a partially blocked punt against the Jets of all teams. And then last week, Devin Duvernay got a big one. I think it was 40 ish yards. Gotcha. Now, 
we are kind of uh, approaching uh, the, the top of our half hour mark here. So a couple of things I want to ask you before we uh, let you on with your day, Joe. First and foremost, the, the big question is who's going to win this game and uh, what uh, do you foresee this final score uh, coming down as? So I'm going to hedge a little bit just because the quarterback situation is so murky in Denver. Um, as of now, Teddy Bridgewater was able to watch film and work out today. Uh, because of the concussion protocol in the NFL basically makes it so it's like five phases. If he is not cleared and Drew Locke starts, I think you guys are going to roll us. Um, and I think it's going to be embarrassing. Wow. I think I think Locke is going to poop his pants. And I think the defense will probably make it look okay until it doesn't because I think that's going to be a huge issue. Um, if Teddy Bridgewater plays, though, I do think the Broncos will probably win and maybe even win by a lot um, just because I think Bridgewater's play, he'll be patient enough to kind of just take what's there. The offense may be slow going until it's not, but I think the defense will slowly kind of just constrict and take over the game. Jeffrey, do you have any other uh, closing questions? No, I'm good. Uh, a couple more for you for me here, Joe. Do, do you kind of anticipate this being kind of one of those ugly games where it's just a low point yeah. slugfest, just kind of a, a gross one that uh, the, the average fan probably wouldn't enjoy? I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Um, and that's, again, that's why I think the quarterback situation in Denver is going to be so important to this. Just because if the Broncos don't turn the ball over, I think over the course of the game, their defense will overmatch the Steelers' offense. And they'll be able to score just enough points to kind of come out of it. Um, but if they start spraying the ball everywhere and giving it away, obviously that kind of opens the door. Right. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I guess the very last thing here, Joe, is there anything you want to plug uh, for the people before we uh, let you on with your day? Uh, if you guys like listening to football and like listening to the matchup, I just recorded an episode of cover two Broncos where we looked at the Steelers from our perspective. Um, other than that, I write at mile high report. I write about the Broncos, but I also write about other teams sometimes. Um, and thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Hey, it's our pleasure as always, Joe. Thank you so much for your time. All righty, Steeler fans. We are going to jump into our uh, our quick little break here. If you're watching live on YouTube and Facebook, though, don't go anywhere. We are going to be uh, right back on this ex same exact link, so don't uh, click away. But if you're uh, on your podcast platform, you can go and go ahead and click over to part two right now. <laughs> 